New Photic Realm announcement. Uh, submission windows for upcoming issues. Issue 10, the theme is justice. That's hard-boiled fiction with a supernatural twist. The deadline for that will be April 1st, 2020. Issue 11, the theme is kaiju. Giant monsters terrorizing civilization. Deadline will be October 1st, 2020 for those stories. Issue 12, the theme is lycanthropy, which is, of course, self-explanatory. Um, it can be any type of animorph with a bloody twist. Uh, so I guess that's werewolves and Jesus, giant, I don't know. What do people turn into? Seals? I've just got a little seal on my desk, so I thought of that. I don't know. You have to be more imaginative than I just was. Uh, but the deadline for lycanthropy, January 1st, 2021. Good luck to everyone submitting. I wrote this thing. I hope you like it. Let's talk about it, yeah. Let's lose track. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Talking to Leo My guest this episode is Bo Chappell, he's the author of Year 47, uh, the editor of By Year's End, which is a collection of stories written by other authors that take place in the Year 47 universe, as well as the editor of uh, Aphotic Realm's recent Appalachian horror anthology, and the children's book Once You Get to Know Me, he's uh, the author of that also, and it uh, sounds like there's more stuff coming from Bo in the near future. Uh, Bo and I have been uh, chatting online in various ways for a while and uh, this was our first actual uh, chat and uh, so I was really looking forward to it and uh, it was totally as expected but was like really interesting insightful lovely man and I hope you enjoy my chat with him. Um, if you are a reader, writer, editor, listener, any type of creative uh, who wants to be on the show or tell me you know you can be just a listener who wants to tell me about the show um, you can always get in touch with me using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com and I look forward to hearing from you. But that's all my intro chat. So here is my chat with Bo. I think I can hear you now. <laughs> cool. No, but I was really, I was interested in what you were saying. So Deliverance was filmed near where you grew up, but it's now all underwater. Yeah, they decided... They were going to build a man-man lake, so they dammed off a certain section of the area, and they, they, you know, they cleared out most of the area, but they left a lot of the structures and stuff underwater. So it's become like a really, really big, like, uh, scuba diving attraction. Cool. Was it like a, was it like a tourist spot at one point where people were like, hey, come see where Deliverance was filmed? You know what? It's not that it's it's oddly not that it's not mentioned that much in terms of a lot of people just love going scuba diving to see like the ghost town and Jokassi, you know, <laughs> like oh dead bodies and stuff, even though they moved all of them. <laughs> That's fair. But uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of YouTube videos. You can just there's there's a plethora of them. So 
That's it, cool. It's, it's really fascinating to watch watch people dive and see all these cool little ghost towns underneath. Have you ever tried it yourself? Oh, no, no, no. no. I mean, I love swimming, but I've never really thought about going, you know, scuba diving. Even though I, I, I guess it's not that far underneath, but I don't know. I, it'd be fun. It'd be interesting to try, but I never, I guess I never had that urge to take scuba, scuba diving classes or anything. <laughs> Um, and how long have you been writing for? <laughs> well, I mean, like, uh, you know, all, all writers, they, you know, they've been writing their whole life, but in terms of, uh, like actual publication, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in like 2000, I want to say it was like 2014, 2013. Yeah. I got published in a uh, 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 a Doctor Who book about well, it was essays about Doctor Who mm-hmm. uh, that uh, the Whovian dot net uh, published. Are you a big Doctor Who fan? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was something I just tried on on a whim because it was, you know, I was very passionate at the time and everything, especially with like the you know the re- the revival. With you know uh, Eccleston and Tennant and everybody, mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, yeah. I just tried it and I got in, and it was it was one of those you know like everybody says like once you get that one publication, you're like oh oh, oh I can do this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's that um, it's that validation, and I think I think rejections thereafter is just like ah oh, well, <laughs> I'm gonna stop me now. Um. Yeah. So, but you started with an essay, and now you kind of write speculative fiction in general. Would you say, or? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of a uh, lot of short stories, and uh, the uh, the the novel that I uh, the first book I put out was Year Forty Seven, and that was uh, I put that out not too long because that kind of sparked me to finish that after, you know, over, it was well over a decade of working on that thing on and off in different, different ways. Cause it was like a screenplay and then, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do with that thing, but it, it just kept bugging me that I didn't finish it. Hmm. But it occurred to me to do it as a book until after that. Uh, tell me about it. It's like a Western world. It's got sci-fi horror elements. Yeah, it's like a. Uh, I, I would call it a survival horror western. Cause mm-hmm. It's like because there's not a lot of horror westerns. It's like a. <clears throat> I love that genre, but there's not a lot of. Uh, it's a very niche genre. Mm-hmm. And I also love survival horror, and so. It it, it was. That book is like a mix, mishmash of like everything I love. Mm-hmm. And so and that book is, I'm very much with it for me. And then I just put it out. And uh, then you later asked other authors to contribute to the world that you'd built. Uh, yeah, like uh, after it had like surprisingly got, you know, some attention and I started like submitting stories and, you know, Started meeting people in the community and everything. Uh, it was, it was one of those ideas that 
you know, people was like, oh, you could keep doing stories in this. And I was like, I didn't plan on it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely didn't want to write a sequel. Uh, but I, I got to talking to people and making friends and stuff. And I thought it would be fun to ask, you know, I was like, oh, it would be neat to see what they would do with it. Especially after reading your work and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So I asked, you know, I put out a submission call and asked a couple people and then it was I was surprised that everyone was like, yeah. And then the submissions I got made more friends and uh at that 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 was a that project was super fun. We were all like talking daily and working really close together and it, it was it, that, that thing was blast. Um, is it something that you would like to repeat? Uh, you know, oh, you know what? I I would, I, I keep thinking about it, like going back. I, I, you know, I don't want to go back too often Mm -hmm. because I hate for people to get tired of it or, or, or me to get tired of it or anything. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those. You know, I really like that universe, and I didn't. I didn't mean to do so much world building. It was just, I just, I, it was like stuff I needed to finish the story, and then I was like, oh, like, you know, I had all this. I did end up inadvertently creating all this stuff, this giant sandbox, and I didn't. Uh, it would be fun. There's a lot of people. I still have not got a chance to, you know, work with personally. You, you included. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is I would love to see their take on things mm-hmm. so yeah I would love to do it oh we did a like a we did some micro fiction for that uh, Missing Days I asked a couple of people on the fly to write like a some you know really short stories to kind of beef up the special features type book that went with it that I gave out for free mm-hmm. And uh, that was a blast too, because there was a lot of people that I didn't, you know, it, it filled up fast because everybody said yes, and I was like, yeah, yeah, well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Ephotic Realm team people—they have contacts who make graphic novels and stuff. Is that something you would get involved in? Uh, it, uh funny thing is, Dustin has a. Uh, We've talked about it like extensively, mm-hmm. especially since you know he was involved in uh, five years in, because we were wanting to go back. We have an idea, and we're still it's still on the table, mm-hmm. and I would not be offended at all if someone like Gunner drew it or <laughs> or you know or if uh, anybody over there if they ended up ripping on it and releasing it through them because I mean you know you're part of the team now these guys are great yeah I know they definitely are that's true I am part of the team I've got my podcast on Ephotic Run now and um, yeah no it's great and I uh, I talked to all of them recently they're like such uh, hardworking lovely people um, just like yourself uh, how did you um, how did you get in touch with Dustin at first Ah. Uh... I believe it was just submitting a story for which issue. I think it was the dystopia. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, just through the community. Because, uh, you know, it's just one of those, you you inevitably bump into people. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, you just kind of find, uh, you know, you kind of find those uh, similar minds and stuff. I mean, Dustin was, uh, you know, we just kind of hung it. <laughs> like so, uh, it, yeah, it wasn't long before we were, you know, talking after that. Uh, and then, you know, that, you know, kick off things with Adrian and Chris and them over there. So. And uh, how did the idea for the podcast come along? Uh, that was, um, yeah, Geekman. Yeah. Hey, yeah, that was, uh, that was Dustin. He was, uh, as he, uh, he was a nerd, nerd eyeing <laughs> me, as he says. Uh, he, he, uh, he just, he had an idea. He wanted to do a podcast. And, uh, you know, cause we, you know, we, we have similar interests and everything. And he was talking about wanting to do, just cover all the, just the fun stuff, nerd news, movies, video games, all just the fun stuff and just not talk about, you know, all the negative stuff. And I was like, hey, total agreement. Cause it's all, especially at that, that time, a couple of years ago, it's like, it seemed like every podcast was like super negative. Everything hmm. was just bashing everything. And uh, yeah, we just agreed like that's, we don't want to do that. So yeah, we just kind of, you know, Felt it, out along the way, and then uh, we did <clears throat> we did a bunch of episodes of that. And it it kind of seems like that um, I don't know desire to put out positivity has always been your your vibe anyway, right? Well, yeah, me and this and both, we just try to. I, I, it's it's such a waste of time and energy. Be negative, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. It doesn't just hurt you. It, it bothers everybody, especially if you see something negative. I mean, you shouldn't falsely, you know, put on a bright and shiny and be all, you know, hey guys, what's up? You know, you shouldn't be doing that all the time. But yeah, at the time, you shouldn't be bringing people down because you're down. You know? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, as much as that's possible, like, everyone knows there are times in life when you're not in control of. Uh, you're not in control of it, right? Sometimes it's just like times in life are so bad that it's so powerful that you're just going to be sad. And like, that's kind of the way to get out of it, I think. But um, when times are good, it's like you can choose to, to a large extent, you can choose to be positive and supportive and, you know, talk about how great the things that you love are, which I think is like what you guys do. Yeah. And it and it, it's it's funny how much it affects people, just the tiniest thing. Like if you just you come in and you know that you're uh, safe in a way where you, 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 it's not going to be, you know, you're just not going to be dragged down by something that you've you've heard thirty times over in the same day. I mean, you know how social media is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of um. I think it, it takes a long while to work out, but I think even only recently, 
I kind of figured out like, God, adulthood seems largely quite dull and negative. <laughs> like, does that mean that I should be like, and, and I think a lot of people think, okay, adulthood is dull and negative, so I should be that rather than going like, well, why don't I try and craft the kind of adulthood that I want? Because I'm fully responsible for it. So if I think that the world is like largely dull and negative, why don't I be the opposite and put some of the opposite vibes out there? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's very, it's very deconstructive. And it's, if it's, if you continue on that route, like when you get older, you don't really have anything left. So you should obviously just build up as much as you can. You you want, you want stuff to carry with you and, have there at the end, you know, look back and like, oh yeah, that was nice. Instead of just like, oh man, what a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think particularly like since I'm a British person, there's something about British culture that hungers for that kind of misery. Like the, that it's the familiarity of it. Um, it's just a, it's a type of comforting yourself. So it seems like, it's the mature thing to do is to be very miserable, but actually it's just a kind of lazy way of comforting yourself, I think. Oh, yeah, and also it, it, it's not necessarily like, uh, it's not like a negative, uh, you know, it, it, there, it, there's a certain, uh, how am I trying to say this? You know, there's a certain uh, way of, thinking where it's almost romanticized, you know, in like movies and books and stuff. It's it's like where you know, you, you kinda it's like a warm blanket and you, you you know, feeling sad and depressed and it's it's a it's a true comfort. So it it really is you have to get you have to kind of break out of that groove. Mm -hmm. And and that mindset of like, if things aren't going to get better, this is it. You know, because it, it's just depressing to think about like, if things aren't better and they can't possibly get any better, then, you know, what are you actually working for? You should always just try, you know, you should always just try. Yeah, definitely. I, like, I, think, I think what's worked for me is just like scaling it back. Like, the things that motivate me as a writer, perhaps, are just like, what's going to happen in the next scene of my story? That's all I, that's genuinely all I care about. Like, I think people, um, some people are like, oh, and what, what I see other writers doing, especially, is assuming that everyone has the same goals with it and, and has the same experience of it. They're all just like, oh, you know, it's going to be so difficult to be, to be like a best-selling writer and stuff. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I'm, that's so many steps away and it's nobody's in charge of that like i am in charge of how good the next scene is and i can manage that and i can enjoy that i think i'll just think about that <laughs> um, yeah i think that's a, that's a, that's a really good way of looking at it too because i i it, i mean i know you see it especially like on twitter i mean how many writers will just you know just destroy themselves internally because they they're not putting out a book yeah you know i haven't put out a book in three months mm -hmm. 
I, you know, I don't deserve to be a writer. Like, what are you doing yourself? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people never do it. Most, like most books are not written. Most. Exactly. So like you, you wrote a book. Yeah. Hooray. Like fantastic. And also, um, just say, I, yeah, or I didn't write a book that was amazing. And it's like, well, it was your first one. Like, how do you expect to write an amazing book without writing a bad one or several bad ones first? And like, if you, if you write a really, if you write a really bad book, but you've never done anything before, you can still celebrate that because you're still like further ahead than you ever have been. Um, I, th I think there's a lot of that. Is, I think you're right. You have to focus on those those small personal goals and you should really ignore everybody everybody else's goals because it's it's not tailored for you it doesn't fit no no there's someone else and um their lives are it's kind of funny like i used to um i used to not really be envious of competitive people but i used to think that i there was something that that was a good thing to be like an inherently good thing to be um until like I kind of see that how petty it can get sometimes when somebody new just walks into a room and they're just like, I better be the best person in this room. And it's like, <laughs> you must be exhausted. <laughs> how do you know, how do you motivate yourself when, yeah. when your desire to be better than other people is so like, I don't know, changes with the wind or whatever, if you know what I mean. I don't know if I explained that well. No, no, no. I know that's it's, oh. uh, it's, it is, I, it's, one of those things where, again, it's so much wasted energy, mm. and it's just loss of focus on what's important. Yeah, it's not at all a cop out to say that the world of writing or art or anything or just life is totally subjective, and we're all we all want and do different things. That sounds like a kind of, you know, now now play nice with your brother because, <laughs> but it's it's generally just the way the world works. Is like. People want different things. They have different abilities. And also, like... I don't see who who would be writing without the joy of writing. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Because it's very difficult. And it's, it's such a hard craft. So you really have to enjoy it. You really have to enjoy writing. Mm. So, I mean, I mean, people that better in it for just you know the exposure and the money and the book deals and the movie deals and all that i, I don't and when they're not getting that and they're not focused on just having fun and telling stories i don't it kind of hurt it hurts my heart <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really sweet um you're you're very you're very supportive of other writers as well does that come easily to you uh, it's one of the things like I didn't and like I appreciate it first of all thank you uh, <laughs> no I, worries geez I didn't feel like I didn't know like I, I get very nervous when I tell this stuff I get a compliment uh, it's I, I, it's yeah I, I just grew up in you know, it's the Southern hospitality thing, I think. But also, it's just, I'm one of those people with just a big heart, and I don't like seeing people suffer and struggling. 
Mm-hmm. And especially if it's something that, you know, a, a kind word or, or an offering of, you know, ten, ten, five, ten minutes of your time or just anything that will just help somebody. Because, you know, it's it doesn't take much to turn somebody's mood around. So if I have the time and energy, obviously, it's, I don't know, it's just, why not? Do you, would you describe yourself as a sensitive person? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Too sensitive sometimes. It's, I know it's, it's, it's bit me and they asked more than once. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I absolutely feel the same. I think that, um, just, uh, yeah, I, d- I dwell on things like crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's... But it's, I think it's good though. I'd, I'd rather have a kind heart than a callous one. Yeah, definitely. I think that, yeah. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. But yeah, it'd be easier to have a callous heart. But, but you know, it's not better. No, you're not really getting a very rich experience of life. And I think that all the, um, I, I was just, I was talking about this to somebody earlier. Like I feel like I receive a lot of hostility and I can't think of anybody who's like less, like more of a harmless person than me. Like I'm just like walking around some, I spend a lot of time reading and writing and, uh, I, I'm like, like I try to be in the way that you are like really supportive of other people. I'm like, that's great. That's fantastic. Good for you and everything. And I think it, it, it enrages some people. N- not, it's not something that you can, I mean, it's something I try not to take personally, but it sets something off in people who have like callous hearts, I think, because they know they're not supposed to be like that. And they, they have to tell themselves that there's no other way to be, I suppose. Yeah, you, you you are you're definitely that comes off in you. You're definitely one of the nice guys. Um, but yeah, definitely don't change. It's one of those. It it will come off as disingenuous to some people because some people don't understand. <laughs> they, they, there's a lot of people that think oh he's being nice because he wants something out of it, or he's being nice because oh, this will happen or this will happen. It's just how about he's just being nice. Yeah, I used to um I used to care about that perception. I used to be like, oh god, uh, I don't want to sound too nice cuz then it'll sound suspicious. Uh ra- rather than still just do. you still do as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess it happens, right? Um but rather than just being as sincere as you possibly can be and not really worrying about you I mean, you can't control other people's perceptions of things. So it's better just to say how you genuinely feel, I think. Um but that's that can be tough. Yeah, but yeah, never, never stop being nice. Don't worry about (laughs) it. Being nice is difficult, and being being a good person is not easy. But it's the better thing to do. Mm -hmm. Really, I think that even if you were to be cynical about a person's motivations for being nice, you would still come around to the notion that being nice would get you everything you wanted if you were being selfishly nice you know like if you were selfishly supporting other people and selfishly being fun company like 
that's a good point. It's yeah. like, yeah, if, if you just play it up, even if you want to be evil and nice, still be nice. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's it, it, yeah. no, no matter, yeah, if you have cynical intentions behind it, it's still the way to behave, I think. Um, and like, to a certain extent, you can just, like we were talking about, you can't just choose how you're going to feel. Yeah, D- Dustin's really big on that. I don't know if he talked about that in his interview, uh, but he's he's really he has that mindset. Like you can just change perception to, if you just get out of the rut mm-hmm. and stop thinking about what that that negative spot that you're in right now. Mm-hmm. And again, that's what you should do. You should if you're having a bad moment, you really need to, need to get out of your head. Like immediately, because it, it just it, it'll spiral bad. Yeah, it, it can do. Um, you know, I used to, like. I think also when I uh, when I met, I don't know, genuine, sincere, supportive, nice adults. I used to just be like, oh, so na- they must be stupid. Like they're so naive. Like <laughs> life isn't like that. Haven't they seen the dark side of life? But now. I think the complete opposite. I think that um, sincerity and kindness and everything comes off as even more genuine the more worse crap you've experienced. I think it's something that people earn. Yeah. Yeah, because there's there's definitely more commitment to it. Yeah, I think it's like, well, in, in spite of all the evidence against this way of looking at the world... I'm gonna go ahead and look at it that way anyway. Like that's great. <laughs> that takes guts. <laughs> yeah, the life's too short, man. Yeah. Um. So tell me about like fandom. What it means for you to be a fan of stuff? Do you enjoy talking about the stuff that you are a fan of, like with other people frequently? Oh. Uh... Yeah, as long as it's always, it's, you know, born of it. It's not born of the death, you know. <laughs> you know I don't want to see anybody's, you know, eyes glass over. As <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, why the Matrix sequels don't suck. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, there's, it, it's really, it's really nice to see anybody be passionate about something. Even if it's something that you might not necessarily be passionate about yourself. Like, I, I love uh, YouTube videos where people will go down and deconstruct something to a point where you it really changes your perspective on things. Like, uh, there's this guy, uh, what is his name? I think it's Patrick H. Williams. Mm-hmm. On uh, YouTube, he, he kind of deconstructs uh, films in odd ways. And uh, he did a video on... Uh, why why doesn't anybody dress up as Joel Schumacher's Batman <laughs> at like conventions and stuff? Yeah. And that kind of fit into the whole are those movies really that bad? And all this and you're sitting there, it, it was absolutely fascinating. And he he brought up a lot of really good points. Like these movies are terrible. Uh and you know, Joel Schumacher was just making the best Batman movie, what he intended and it was it was really neat, and I still I still actually go back and those movies still have like replay value for me. Oddly. No, I I saw the one recently with Jim Carrey, and I was like, "This is pretty cool." Like, yep, I still like that movie. <laughs> yeah. The 
like the color scheme and the lighting, it's like a kid's comic book to look at. It's like, yeah, that's that was like one of his points. It's like the dude made he made the comic book, he made it cartoony, he made it you know, he he did what he did. He he didn't realize though, you know, that he was kind of straying from you know what was already previously established. And then, you know, they had the marketing with the toys and everything, and they had to work that in. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, juggling all this stuff, but the fact that he made what he made, and it was still, you know, watchable and entertaining, mm-hmm. it was it was actually pretty amazing. And, of course, Joel Schumacher, he's, he's a really great director as well. Everybody's kind of, like, she's a mom for old Joel Schumacher, Batman Roller. It's like, yeah, he made the Lost Boys and Falling Down and... A lot of great films. Oh, he made Falling Down. Falling Down is an excellent film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's worth rewatching. Actually, I'm gonna write that one down. And I've got I've got the name of this YouTube guy as well to look at. Um, that's cool. So, what are you um, what are you the biggest fan of lately? Oh man. Jeez. I know I've been rewatching those uh, Tremors movies, revisiting those. Like uh, since Netflix decided to add all of them back, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, I still, well, you know, even that that sketchy part five that was where it kind of took a dip in quality. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's still still watchable. <laughs> Are they? Do they take place in the south? Uh, I think those are no. It's uh, Nevada. Is that Nevada? Oh, fans are gonna kill me. I just watched it. <laughs> no worries. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's over in the close to the uh, West Coast. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I, I mean uh, it, you know the whole Texas area close to that too. Mm-hmm. Uh. It, it's always weird to consider, like I, I would consider that southern, but it's 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 weird. But I do love those movies. That's 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 horror western. That, that's I consider that horror western, and also survival western. At least the, like the first two, mm-hmm. those are pretty big. About like there's a point A and there's a point B. And if we can get to point B, we're good. What else is going on now on TV and everything? I, I never know what everyone's talking about. Because if they're all talking about it, I'll go talk about something else. <laughs> but like, yeah. like the, everybody's all up in Tiger King. Yes, that's right, Tiger King. Did you watch yeah. it? I did. I, did. I, I, did, I was hesitant because I watched that uh, uh, Don't F with Cats, and it wasn't very... I was like, oh, with that documentary. Yeah. I was like, everybody talking about this. But uh, I cannot help but get caught up in the, get caught up in the Tiger King. That thing was, that was like a space train full of flaming rainbow tigers crashing into a black star. <laughs> I, I, I just could not. And that thing was amazing. Every time something happened, they didn't give you time. It wasn't like a Didn't dramatic stop. They just kept going. They just dropped the information and just kept going. <laughs> no, it's it's true. It was so overwhelming. And like, I, I, I went to bed before watching the last episode and I was like, God, I can't wait to f- wake up and find out how this ends. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
how many how many twists are there going to be? It's, I oh, think it's Christmas morning. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, you live for stuff like that as an adult, yeah. I didn't know what planet I was on when that thing was over. I just never heard of anything like any of it. Like neither was that, that that director. You could see it every time they showed his face. He was like, I don't know <laughs> what yeah. I'm making. I am five years deep into this. I don't know what I'm going to put out. <laughs> Joe, you're in prison now. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Oh, uh, the the one dude that uh, he was the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That's anytime I, I feel so depressed about that because anytime I'm so excited when South Carolina gets mentioned anywhere mm-hmm. in pop culture, and but then it's immediately like, oh, that's why we're being mentioned. It's <laughs> I take it you're um you're so you're like South Carolina born and bred, so you're gonna live there like for the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah, I feel like it. I, I do. Um, it, it, you know, I obviously want to go and visit places and see the world and stuff, but I, I do feel like I feel like I'll probably always live in South Carolina. I'm actually a little jealous of people who uh feel like who feel at home where they grew up. Um, Cause you're just like, your, your family lives nearby and you still have like friends from school. Uh, yeah, but I, most of them actually moved. Uh, but it's funny because they, a lot of them are starting to miss here and they're all hinting that they're going to move back. And some of them actually just, have moved back out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's just one of those things where they, you know, they, they had this idea like, oh, I can't wait to leave this place. And then they get away from here and they're like, man, everybody else in the world sucks. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is horrible. If you smile and wave at somebody, they look at you like they want to kill you. <laughs> I don't like it. That's like that's most of the point of traveling somewhere else is to like notice in retrospect the things that were like good about where you grew up that you took for granted that you won't find elsewhere. That's <laughs> like half the point. Um That's a good question. Yeah, I think so. Um How is it like uh so you, you moved around a lot like like um but do you miss where you were, where you were, your youth, where you spent your youth? Or yeah, I do uh, actually. I think um, I think a lot of what I'm describing is the same for me. Like I, so I'm from Glasgow, and like how I would describe that, I think is just like everyone is your friend there. Like you go to the supermarket, and they'll start like recommending stuff for you to make for dinner, or like something to see on Netflix. People will just chat to you like they know you, and it feels really nice it's like the kind of feeling you have at home but everywhere but i I mean i suppose describing that to you that's what it's like in with southern hospitality right yeah yeah so it's that and then um what i kind of like about now i live in stavanger in norway what i kind of like about being in norway is that everyone is a lot like me they just leave each other alone (laughs) like totally They, they stay out of one another's business and when it was just me i found that kind of 
um, isolating. Uh, and it is, it's funny, like sometimes I'll, I would go back to Glasgow for Christmas and then I would take my like Glaswegian energy to Norway and I'd be walking around like, oh, hello, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And everyone would be like, I'm, I'm fine. What's, why, are you, why are you asking? <laughs> um, so I don't know. There's no, there's no, uh, yeah, there's no perfect culture, right? There's just like the one that best suits you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how about like Dustin's from somewhere totally different from you, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's in. Oh God, I'm embarrassed because I'm... Ohio, I think mid. That's Midwest, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's in West. Hmm. Which I don't think he lives too far from uh, Brown Black. Well, they always joke about. Ron's always joking. He's just going to drive down there and surprise him. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess it was fine. If it, it's in in Vernland, that's how we end up doing this. It's, we go, hey, just come on the ship. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I think that like it sounds like you as well. Like everyone, when they start writing, they're like, I want all the money, all the fame now, and like. I'm probably amazing, so I don't see why I can't just get that straight away. And then um, that doesn't happen because <laughs> it doesn't. Um, and you're like, hey, but I'm having so much fun talking to other people and supporting them and having a great time. Um, and that's always been the thing with this podcast is like, what's what's the nicest chat I can have? <laughs> like, that will be the best product. Um, it, it is all these collaborations and stuff because we end up you know, writing together, mm-hmm. podcast together, uh, short films, because, you, you, you know, you get your... Short yeah, that's movies. true, that's true. Yeah, you helped me with so, that too. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, we all end up doing these things together and telling these stories, you know, fictional and non-fictional, and it's... I, it's, it's, I don't... It's so much fun. Yeah. It's the point, I think. Um, yeah. It just so happens that sometimes these things lead to money and fame. But it's not... I mean, the the desire to start writing comes from like an impulse inside you that isn't really aware of capitalism. So, <laughs> you know. Um, so, I don't know. I think all the time my sister has this lovely friend who um, studied at the Glasgow School of Art and she makes jewellery this really beautiful jewelry and she says that like unless she's making jewelry she doesn't feel like she's communicating so she's uh-huh. like she's like a born jeweler that's how she expresses what she thinks about the world i love the way that she put that it's, it's beautiful isn't it just and i think that's i think that's what makes a writer it's what makes a writer to me yeah i, I, I do love the community is it definitely, I know a lot of times it can seem like the worst part, especially when like the fights mm-hmm. and the disagreements about how things should be done or what the definition of horror is. And, mm-hmm. But like, when it's at the best, man, it's the people. Just watching people, you know, encouraging people to finish a book and and you know helping people when they you know. Uh, you know, they're going to be short, they're months from end. And, uh, 
you know, the old joke that we're all passing around the same 20 plugs, but <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's really fun and it's great. And we're all, I don't know, man. I like it. I like it a lot. And, and, and like I say, I think focusing on that would lead to all these other things you might want, like money, fame, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, say you want those things, then you'd want to make the best quality thing that you can. And you're going to make the best quality thing by, uh, by enjoying making it. I don't want to, like, I, I, you can tell when something has been written begrudgingly and you can tell when something's been written joyously. And it's like, I, I want to read joyous, fun stuff um, yeah. and hang out with cool people who are supportive and, you know, that all leads to success anyway. But that all comes secondary to just the fun of of hanging out with people, I think. Um, I used to, I used to worry all the time, like, oh man, like maybe one day I'll be on a panel or maybe someone's going to interview me about something. And then I thought, like, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> I don't think that's like, I don't think that's the point. I don't want to be on a panel. Who's going to ask me? Like, what are you going to ask me? What do you think the the future of this genre is. I don't know. Don't ask me that. I just want to write a book. Um, so it's funny. I'm really interested in how people respond to the notion of a community. Like, I think that the community, I, I do love community, but I think only the community that I build for myself. Like, it, I, I don't want to be considered like a welcome addition to the, the horror community because I don't know what they're talking about. And, and I'll say something that will annoy them, like, accidentally. And then they'll dismiss me from it when I didn't even really want to be part of it. That's how I see that going, you know. <laughs> I so, didn't even know I was included. Yeah, totally. They're just like, well, you're certainly not now <laughs> because of that thing you said. Yeah, everybody contributes in their own way. And that's, that's the cool part. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's when everybody goes around and all of a sudden, you know, they're dictating who does what. And, you know, I, I mean, I know you've seen it in the, what was the last one? Like the, the whole book review debacle. Everybody's always, can, can you write books and review them? And, and things like that. And it's like, it's, oh, it's, oh why, why are we stuck when, why are we stuck when <laughs> creativity? I can I can solve that one. You can do whatever you want <laughs> because you're an adult. Like you can accept the consequences of it, but do whatever the hell you want. And like nobody has any answers, so don't listen to anyone who's gonna boss you around. Especially like no, like what? Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what yeah. may or may not work. So don't tell people how to do it. <laughs> um, Give me a editorial joke. Right after you finished saying that, put uh, put the reading rainbow. You don't have to take my word for it. Like, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But no, I just I I I think when you're new to it, you're like, oh, like I want to learn the rules and I want to fit in. Like, I don't want to I don't want to annoy these people. Um, I don't want to rock the books. I don't really know what I'm doing. And then later, you're like, wait, nobody knows what they're doing. So why are they even why are they even telling us what to do? Like, also. Aren't artists people who can't be told what to do? Isn't that like? It seems to be a big yeah. part of it to me. Yeah, you learn you learn the con the confines of something, and then you learn how to break it. It's uh, or what was it? Uh, uh what is his name? And the Monty Bush. It's like you can't break the rules until you know the rules. God damn it! 
Yeah, 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 that's true. Mighty <laughs> Bush reference. I haven't seen that in so long. It's brilliant. Yeah. I saw those guys live once years no ago. Way. Yeah, Mighty Bush live. It was awesome. Oh man. What a classic. Um I and hey, how about you? What are you writing these days? Uh my uh I'm writing a well I guess it, it was supposed to be a novella, but I think it's gonna just be short. I think it'll be a no- novelette, but uh you know, definition. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh I got a book coming out I'm hoping July. My editor's working on it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh oh funny enough, it's I, I got it set in uh I got it set in uh, Salem, South Carolina. Cool. And, it, um, so you have a you have a book coming out this summer? Yeah, I you know, boring all you know, of course all the current events, but like, all right, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, and hopefully that'll be up. Uh, I've got a, the, the great Anya Stanley works at everything. She's she's uh, editing for me, uh, and uh, she worked. I worked with her on uh, by years end. She wrote a story, fantastic story, which I think I think it turned out to be a lot of people's favorite out of the out of the collection, but. Uh, yeah, I got her working on editing it right now. And then uh, I'm waiting to get that back. It's just got plenty of time. And uh, got that. And then I'm working on some artwork for a friend's children book. And I'm hoping that'll be out by October. That's right, because you you made a children's book as well. Uh, yeah. Yes, I did. Uh, once you get to know me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, you know, he had asked me after seeing that and we started collaborating and I tremendously let him down. <laughs> the thing should have been done a long time ago, but he's been very forgiving. Uh, and so I've been doing the artwork for that and, uh, we're closing in on that. It's also kind of a monster base, but, uh, uh, just, just, the the book you wrote, it's, it's super affordable. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to uh, finish it so I can put it out and get that out in the world. That's really cool. Like, when you're writing, when you're writing stuff for kids, do you imagine that you're writing it for your younger self? Uh, I, no, I, I didn't. But that, the weird thing is, Dustin pointed out something to me that I had, I had put up uh, a while back that we were talking about, like us. Uh, you know, Scholastic Book Fair, and then these books we had, and I had uh, these books I bought when I was a kid as a collection of monster books, mm-hmm. and I had them. And then Dustin's like, huh, you, you wrote, and it's an instruction, it's a set of instructional books about monsters, and then you wrote a book about monsters informing kids about what they are, and I was like, oh my god. And he's like, yeah, you went full circle with that. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, I must have did it subconsciously. So yeah, it's, it's, I guess like I did it on some sort of weird, you know, back burner level. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, I did, I, I'm one of those people that, you know, 
yeah, I think he should talk to kids just on a normal level, not like on a super adult level with the hard truths, but I do think yeah. he should just engage kids, you know, on an eye-to-eye level. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I always, like, I always respected adults who just talk to me like a normal human, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like the, the, the films, from children's films from and children's books, the best ones are usually the ones that are harder and they're, they're you know, they, they're a bit more dark. Mm-hmm. And, but I always love the fact that they kind of, they kind of knew that we could handle it. Yeah. Do you have like, do you have favorites that you read when you were growing up? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I always, I always go back and I think about like where the wild things are. I mean, that's, a, that's a given for anybody, but like, like when you go back and you really think about that book, like he was being very open with children about, you know, it's a, you know, you can be angry at your parents. It's not a, you know, that's a weird thing to teach a child. <laughs> yeah. It's like, listen to your mom and all this, but no, it's like, hey, you know, you can, you, it's okay to be upset with your parents mm-hmm. to a certain degree. And it's, you're going to have hard feelings sometimes and it's not going to be great. And you, you can, I don't know, man, that, that's like some, there were some layers in that book. <laughs> Did you ever read uh, Roald Dahl growing up? Oh yeah. Like uh, James and the Giant Peach was like one of my favorites as a kid. Yeah. Um, or the twits. I don't. I uh, don't think I've read that one. Oh my god, that that's the one I think of as like adults treating kids with respect because it's basically the, this horrible married couple who gaslight each other into thinking that like one thinks he's shrinking and the other one thinks he's the other one thinks she's like growing really tall because they keep adding little um little lengths to their furniture and cutting bits off the furniture to mess with each other. <laughs> it's just I only read that as a child and I can still tell you like almost the whole thing now it's so disturbing <laughs> but um yeah, he, he had some he threw some dark stuff at you too man yeah for sure I mean jeez I mean you know, Charlie and Chocolate Factory that's all you gotta say oh my god yeah or um George's Marvelous Medicine yes oh my god there's some but yeah I love I love when uh, you know, they don't, it's okay to not hold a child's hand all the time. Yeah. Uh, they'll, they'll be better for it. I'm one of those advocates for letting kids watch horror movies if you know what they can handle. Because my mom did that with me, and I've been a fun. And I've seen people, you know, there's still people today that give their kids life for, you know, letting them go watch a horror movie and stuff. It's like, uh, you know, Everybody's different. <laughs> what did you? What horror films did you watch growing up? Oh, uh, my mom was like, uh, you know, she grew up watching like uh, like all the classic movie monsters and stuff. So she kind of, kind of, you know, that was like her thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, growing up, we just went to the movies a lot. And I was one of those, you know. Uh, I 
we I, I think I've told this story online before, but I've been told that my first movie was Cujo. <laughs> and that movie came out the year I was born. She took me as a toddler. I, I, I couldn't, you know, could have been more than a few months old. She said, I sat there, looked up at the screen with just the most enchanted wonderment. Didn't say a <laughs> word the entire time. Didn't cry, didn't do anything. And I kind of believe it because I love going to the movies. The movies is it, it's still a magical experience to me. So you you remember so, Cujo as much as Stephen King remembers writing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I'll take your word for it. It's kind of neat that it's, that's my first movie, but I just love the idea of me just being like, oh, this is great. Just blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Do you know I watched um, this is so random. I watched Snakes on a Plane for the first time recently, um, and that was one of those films that's like super designed for the cinema going experience of like enjoying the audience reactions and stuff. I, I would have, you know, in hindsight, I would have, I wish I would have went and seen it with, cause I've never, I haven't seen that movie and everybody, anytime it's mentioned, it's one of those, you've never seen that movie, but it's one of those, you have to kind of, you have to see that movie. Yeah, I don't know. You have to see it while like drinking with friends. I think. <laughs> I can't imagine like watching it by myself. Just being like, uh-uh. yeah, exactly. No, but um, so that must be one of the things you miss at the moment. Then, like the cinema going experience. Oh yeah, it was like super like because the last thing we just, you know, things were starting to get kind of iffy, and we had just, we had went and saw uh, the Invisible Man. Uh, oh yeah yeah that's a good one it's really good uh and then shortly after that you know they decided to uh you know close all the theaters down and everything and it was kind of like oh and then you started hearing about all the pushbacks it doesn't like it really seems like you know i guess you know cinema going experience might be done for like the rest of the year yeah and yeah, that one, that one, that one hurt. It's, you know, it was always, it's weird how the whole experience, what's going on is kind of uh, like an enzyme and it's kind of speeding up the process of all the kind of independent and dying art forms, you know, mm-hmm. kind of speeding it like, you know, print and independent bookstores and comic books and, uh, you know, movie theaters, like all that stuff was dying and now it's like, might not come back at least in full force it's kind of it's kind of sad and scary yeah that's a good point i just feel like i don't know i i'm so scared of flying i'm so glad i don't know when my next flight is as well it's just i feel i'm having a lovely little break personally (laughs) even if the world is not having a good time um but what what more should we know about you like is the podcast still going um, do you want to let us know about your next book coming out or what's uh, I know we're on like a hiatus with Geek Moon I know we're still talking about what to do with it because I kind of stepped back as like a permanent co-host mm-hmm. uh, 
you, which you know you can check out the last you know i won't go on that uh nothing bad or anything it's not like me and dustin hate each other or anything because mm-hmm. uh, i know some people are worried about that and it's, it's like oh you guys okay and it's like yeah we're fine mm-hmm. everything's cool but it's just like a you know a business thing of mine and stuff mm-hmm. but uh we, uh, I know we're wanting to get back and maybe do a couple episodes. I know he's wanting to work in stuff. He's doing a uh, custom work too now. Is the yeah, the that's true. He's doing great work there. Super he's, talented. Man, he's doing man. I love it. De- the detail work. I, I can't. I don't have steady enough hand to pull that stuff on. Mm-hmm. He's doing some great work. So yeah, if you want some great uh, custom action figure stuff. Hit them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I would love to get back and do some specials and stuff, especially right now. I feel like, uh, you know, good days of positive would be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the book, again, coming for July. Uh, uh, it's called Our Biggest Fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, just keep an eye out for that. Hopefully, I'll, I'll you know, again, barring current event. And then, uh, yeah, October, I'm, again, trying to shoot for October to help my friend uh, with his children's book. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I might show up, uh, no sleep. I, you know, I got stuff submitted there and gray rooms, all that fun stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, well, best of luck with all of it and lovely to finally talk to you. Oh, absolutely. This has been a blast. I've been, I know we've talked a lot, but we've never talked. So this has been, this has been great. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever said it, like, in, you know, well, not in person, I know. But mm-hmm. like, really respect what you do. And uh, I really, you're a really good person and I enjoy your stuff. So please keep at it. Keep doing what you're doing. Likewise, not just saying that because you said it. Um, I think you're like a genuinely lovely force on the indie scene, super supportive and lovely, talented guy. Also looking forward to seeing what you come out with. And we keep in touch. Oh, please. Yeah. So that was Bo Chapel. Um, links in the description to check out his stuff. Hope you enjoyed the chat. If you uh, would like to be on the show, if you want to tell me something about the show, you can always do so using losingintheplotpodcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. But that's all for this episode. So until next time, bye-bye.